Mike Van Sucks podcast proudly supports the following. Hey, check out Talking Shop with the Boss in a Box, the What's Ficked Up podcast, Mountain Smoke Shop, Of the Dead Designs, the Tope Suicida brand, RealityCheckTV.com, Ace of Space Radio, This is Sky with Mitta Goodwin, Central Valley Death Metal, um, Capital Chaos TV in Sacramento, and as always, Gun Music Radio.com. All right, guys, enjoy the show. Check. 
Mike the XX podcast is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, that was Andrew W. Boss and the Boss Crew. One of the sickest bands I've ever heard in my whole life. I had the pleasure of hanging out with them for like three months in a row on tour with uh, Twisted, Moonshine Bandits, Andrew W. Boss, Blazer Dead Homie, Big Low. You know, that shit. So I'm like, man, can I suck? And like I said, oh, man. That was Andrew W. Boss and the Boss Crew. You can see them on tour right now at Head P.E. I believe they're going to frolic in the ocean right now. But they're playing in New Orleans with Head P.E. tomorrow night. So check them out uh, by all means. Welcome to the Mike Vanek Sucks Podcast. This is... Sounds from the underground. What's going on, guys? It's been a while. It's been a few days since we uh, jaunted into the atmospheric presence of thy Lord Jesus. I mean, the Bible motherfucking belt. It's kind of weird. Who ever thought? I'd be living in motherfucking Virginia. That's some crazy shit, kids. All right. This is a band that Scotty McRib from Gershock turned me on to. This is called Visolator. Right here on Mike Fanksark's podcast. If you want to be on the Mike Fanksark's podcast, and God damn it, who fucking wouldn't? Text metal to 865-824-6427. I will play your song right here on uh, Sounds from the Underground. I will play your record on Records You Need to Hear. I will play your live set on Live from the Doom Tomb Sessions. I will bring you on the Mike Van Sucks podcast. I will do things to help out you. So help me help you help your band be hella rat. Please. Once again, text metal to 865-824-6427. This is Visolator on Mike Fanxlux Podcast. Sounds from the underground. Gunmusicradio.com.
Integration of the human soul Enemies of the cross Force Overthrow Death awaits them all Mike Van Exarch's podcast. Oh, yeah. all right. Mike Van Exarch's podcast sounds running underground. That was this later with active aggression. That shit's thrashy as fuck. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Scotty McRib, for sending me that fine piece of music. I have more from Scotty McRib coming up later in the show. Right now. Let's hear Scotty McRib, shall we? Let's see here. So, um, yeah, there's this dude in Bay Area named Scotty McRib. He plays in a band called Gershak. And he tried to put out this fake video kind of message or whatever. Um, yeah. Said uh, the Scotty McRib McRib challenge. I'm gonna eat ten McRibs. Well, he ate like five, if that. I 
will decimate five McRibs. I will destroy five McRibs and fries and a Coke. Live on my show. May go head to head with Scotty McRib. You never know what's going to happen on the Mike Bennett Sucks podcast. But I can tell you right now that coming up next is Gershock. Featuring Scotty McRib, who didn't eat 10 McRibs. I can. Am I going to? Fuck. Because that's just like 100 bucks. All right. Enjoy.
unseasonably warm December afternoon. The 1977 AFC playoff game pitted the young Baltimore Colts against the defending Super Bowl champions, the Oakland Raiders. You have to like the, the Raiders at that time over us. Um, and probably they were a little bit better team than we were. They had more experience. They intimidated people. And we were young and probably on upstart and thought that uh, we can get out there and compete against them. We had a great deal of respect for Baltimore because Burt Jones was a terrific quarterback when he was hot. He had a lot of weapons to work with. Going into the game, I think we anticipated a high-scoring game. Stabler's prediction seemed destined to come true for Oakland. Clarence Davis lifted the fortunes of the Raiders with the game's first touchdown. But soon Lady Luck was smiling on both defenses. Despite the presence of two of football's premier quarterbacks, Stabler and Burt Jones, neither team was able to gain the upper hand through much of the first half. Bruce Laird, number 40, one of the Colts' defensive leaders, finally got the best of his opponent. What we try to do with Kenny Stabler is try and give him different looks and, and try and mix up our defenses a lot. He is a good veteran quarterback and very astute at reading defenses. I had weaseled behind one of the other guys in the zone and looked like man to man. He tried to look downfield and didn't see anybody open. He tried to hit Van Egan in the flat. As soon as he released the ball, I just broke in front of Van Egan and picked off the pass. Once I got it, there was no one there. It was only Kenny and a couple of linemen, so it was just clear sailing right down the field. Laird's touchdown gave the Colts a surprising halftime lead. I used to say something at halftime. I had no idea what it meant, but I heard it someplace, and it sounded like a pretty good idea. The last thing I'd say was, don't worry about the horse being blind, just load the wagon. And let's go. I have no idea what it meant, but some guys kind of got excited when I said it. Stabler certainly got excited. He loaded up the wagon with a full arsenal for the second half. With weapons like Cliff Branch, number 21, and sure-handed Dave Casper, number 87, the Raiders finally went on the offensive. The Stabler to Casper connection contributed two touchdowns to this aerial assault. The Baltimore's Burt Jones, number seven, as Stabler had predicted he could, sparked the coast to their own explosive barrage. Oakland score for score, and the lead changed hands six times in the second half. The Colts regained the lead 31 to 28 with Ronnie Lee's second touchdown of the game. We had them down the fourth quarter, and I can remember so well. We thought we had the game wrapped up, and we decided that we're going to just sit on the ball. We're going to try to run the clock off. I think that was the biggest mistake that we made. If we kept playing our game that we were playing, uh, throwing the ball down the field for first down, keeping them off balance, 
we would have won the game, but we were playing to hold a lead as opposed to playing to win. You know, you needed to keep putting pressure on the team and scoring points, and we just weren't doing that. You just can't sit on the ball against a great football team. That was a fatal mistake that we made uh, strategy-wise. As the clock wound down, Steve managed of Baltimore mistakes by utilizing his flawless tight end. Dave Kasper is a prototype tight end as far as I'm concerned, the best that ever played. And he was another one of those money players that always came up with things. We designed the play to get to David to do a post-type pattern based on what they had done before with that down and distance. And uh, it worked out. It was, it was not a very good throw. I'm just clearing out, but they had given a different type of coverage where I was getting a single coverage from a DB, and they said, take the goals to the post. So I get line of scrimmage, and the first thing I do is whoever was that linebacker caught me right in the neck. I mean, I didn't even get off the line of scrimmage, so I set the whole play up by being a half-ass play at the time anyway. So I take off down the field, and this guy's covering me inside out, and I'm supposed to run a post. I cut across his face, and I was wide open, but the snake had to get rid of the ball because I was so late. And it's over here somewhere, so I played a lot of baseball. I, and I just looked down, and it wasn't hard catching the ball because the darn thing came right straight down. But the hardest thing was when you when you took a look this way, saying, now where's that ball going to come down because you had to duck down and then pick your head up. And, of course, you can't see anything on the top of that helmet until the ball starts coming down. That play was, yeah, that was the, that, that made the game for us. It put Oakland in position to hit the game-time field goal. And well into overtime, the Raiders finally rediscovered their second half form. This time, they sent the ghost all the way to the end zone. Dave Casper had put a spear in the Colts all day, and it was only fitting that his third touchdown gave Oakland the victory. The Raiders' overtime heroics put an end to the third longest game in NFL history. A game that will be remembered for heroes on both sides. That was a great game. You know, the, the funny thing about that game, that uh, Baltimore playoff game, is, is it, it didn't get talked about as one of the great... I mean, if, if it were a Super Bowl, that game had been a Super Bowl, it'd be the greatest football game ever played.
Mike Van Sucks podcast sounds from the underground. That oh shit. That was the Archimedes creation with pass. What up, Ryan, for fucking dropping that song to me? Fucking much appreciated, dude. Fucking send us some more. Um, this is Mike Van Sucks podcast sounds from the underground so far. You've heard the Archimedes creation, Gershock, Visilator, Andrew W. Boss, and the Boss Crew, and we are going to play you some more. But real quick, while I have your attention, this is Music Headlines, brought to you by Loudwire. Uh, this is where I read the Loudwire headlines and then talk shit about, you know, whatever this shit is. All right, so here's the big news of the day. Singer P's unwilling fan on stage at a fest, and bruh, I don't see a goddamn thing wrong with it. The art is art. If GG Allen can flick his poo on people, if fucking El Duce could fucking talk about fucking on stage, let her pee on this dude. I don't give a fuck. Musicians talking about Cliff Burton. I'm gonna read part of this one because. I love Cliff Burton. Late Metallica legend Cliff Burton left a gigantic impact on heavy metal and the remains, he remains, one of the most influential musicians in the genre's history. Watch these musicians talk about the bassist plus a special edition by Cliff's father, Ray. Um, I met Ray Burton once and he's a very nice man. Fans often refer to Cliff Burton as a spiritual battery of Metallica, providing pummeling energy and a rhythmic backbone to the legendary band's early works. But Dave Mustaine shared a lesser known story about Cliff, explaining how the bass's obsession with Leonard Skinner into the creation of Metallica's Four Horsemen. Now, I will tell you this right now, because I've heard this story a million fucking times, because Dave Messine tells this story a lot. They would drive to practice together. Cliff Burton was always listening to fucking Leonard Skinner. Mustaine had that shit in his head. They were jamming. Put that part from... To... Or however it goes in The Four Horsemen. Also known as The Mechanics. And if I wasn't live on Facebook right now, I would play that fucking song. But Metallica flags me every time I play it. So that's for a recorded version of Sounds from the Underground. Speaking of Sounds from the Underground, let's bring you some more, shall we? Hope you're enjoying this, and if you are enjoying this, then why the fuck wouldn't you be enjoying this right now? Uh, dude, tell a person, tell a friend, tell a sister, call your friends, call your neighbors, call anybody in the phone book and tell them, hey, dude, listen to the Mike Van Sucks podcast. You can hear it anytime on rss.com backslash podcast backslash Mike Van Sucks or 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, gunmusicradio.com. And we will be back on gunmusicradio.com tonight. So listen to that, dude. All right. So what are we going to play for you next? Just a real fucking question because I got a whole file here of 
underground bands that will blow your fucking mind. I'm going to play this one because I didn't get to play it last time. This band is called Sit Fire to the Sky. The song is called I Singed It. This is uh, sent to us courtesy of uh, Miss Tracy Lebrie from San Jose. She's in uh, the Dead Redwoods, Arcane Existence, a bunch of other motherfucking bands. Check her out. She's hella fucking cool and hella fucking talented. This is Set Fire to the Sky, guys. GunMusicRadio.com.
is on.
Bushwood Country Club. The membership's exclusive. You think I'd join this crummy smatorium? The hell is outrageous. What? The madness is contagious. Bad language, fooling around in the course, poor caddying. What is the place? Caddy Shack, starring Chevy Chase as Ty Webb. Who is that disgusting man? A sportsman who really knows how to score. So, what brings you to this uh, nape of the woods, back of the wave? How come you're here? Rodney Dangerfield as Al Servant, a big shot. My fingers bigger than your whole boat! With an even bigger mouth. <laughs> hey, somebody step in a dark. <laughs> At night. As Judge Smales, a man of dignity and a sense of fair play. I sentence boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, a caddy who wants an education and gets what? You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. She's got a bad reputation and she's working hard to keep it. You want to tie me up with some of your ties? And Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. Uh, just a harmless school, a lot of plastic explosions or anything, nothing to be worried about. He's not crazy about gophers, <coughs> but he is crazy. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. And introducing Mr. Gopher as himself. Fuck that gopher. I said freeze, gopher! Caddyshack. It's all about swinging. But not on the course. Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? <laughs> Playing a good game. That's all he got out of that one. And talking a better one. Hey, I should have stayed home and played with myself. Taking shots. That was a bum shot. And making time. We couldn't possibly think less of each other. Controlling your drives. Wow. And losing your grip. <laughs> It is! You! Out! There! The man's a menace! Caddyshack. The comedy with...
founded by people who were in the aliens, man. George Washington, man, he was in a cult. And the cult was in the aliens, man. You know? Oh, man, they were way into that type of stuff, man. You're getting air from there, man. It's no good. It was the last day of school. Uh, Ms. Crawford, I was thinking that maybe you and I can get together over the summer. I mean, it'll be legal. It was the first day of summer vacation. Do you guys know anything about a party here tonight? Yes, sir. It was a time they will never forget. New fiesta in the making as we speak. I thought he was cute. You thought he was cute? Do you realize when he graduated, we were like three years old? If only they could remember it. Okay, so you're not going to go to law school? What do you want to do then? I want to dance.
Laurel and Hardy were the kings of comedy. Then, Abbott and Costello took the 40s and split their sides with laughter. The 50s went hysterical and broke up to the wild antics of Martin and Lewis. In the great tradition of these laugh masters of the past, come two guys who are hysterically funny. They're Cheech and John, the comedy team that gave birth to rock comedy and in the process turned on a whole generation. Now it's time for the Cheech and Chong movie, Up in Smoke. travel to Mexico to pick up the world's first van made entirely of marijuana. For years, people have smuggled grass across the borders in every way possible. Do you expect to see any violence here today? I certainly hope so. But things don't always go as planned. And even man's most go in smoke. Fire! I don't have a license. Things get even higher. The world's only grass fan starts smoking on its own. You guys want? If it isn't one bust, it's another. Oh man, it's a cop! So remember, they're on your pad, man. They're gonna bust your pad. See the dopiest van of all time. Hey, first On its way to the wildest rock concert of the century and the high of a lifetime. See Cheech and Chong, the original high riders, in Up in Smoke. Must be some heavy. Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Don't go straight to see this movie.
Mike Van Sox podcast. That was War Troll. Sorry about the technical difficulties at the end. Looks like my hard drive's full. I got to empty that bitch out. Anyways, that's my time, kids. That's all I got for you today. Anyways, that was War Troll with Iceman. Before that, you heard Vicious Wishes. Before that, you heard the legendary Psychosomatic from Sacramento, California. Before that, you heard Modesto's most hated band, Nothing But Losers. Before that, you heard Set Fire to the Sky. Thank you very much, Tracy Lebrie, for that one. Yes, I know, my device is running low on space. Um, Before that, you heard the Archimedes creation. Thank you, Ryan, for sending that in. Gershock. Before that, Visilator Andrew Andrew W. Boss and the Boss Crew started it out. I'm Mike Vanek, and I suck. This has been Sounds of the Underground. I'm going to leave you with this. You guys have a good night. The crowd takes up a chant of defense. Robisky and Vanizak on the back. Slot right. Branch inside. Bradshaw, stable back. Here comes the rush, he sidesteps, can he throw? He can! The ball flips forward and is low, it's a wild scramble, two seconds on the clock, Casper grabbing the ball, it is low a fumble, Casper is recovered in the end zone, the Oakland Raiders have scored on the most zany, unbelievable, absolutely impossible dream of a play. Madden is on the field, he wants to know if it's real. They said yes, get your big butt out of here, he does. There's nothing real in the world anymore. The Raiders won the football game. The Chargers are standing, looking at each other. They don't believe it. Nobody believes it. I don't know if the Raiders believe it. It's not real. 52,000 people minus a few lonely Raider fans are stunned. A man would be a fool to ever try and write a drama and make you believe it. This one will be relived forever.